My name is Mohammed. I'm an avid content creator and student. And I'm Will, a student leader and team building expert. Welcome to Uni Unplugged, the weekly podcast for students by students, where we help you get the most out of university. In this episode, the very first of the Uni Unplugged podcast, we recount our high school journeys, friendship groups, and our mindset towards academic achievement, including how they've changed as we've entered university to study engineering. We cover our motivations for studying aerospace, as well as our experiences of university, entering our first year during lockdown, taking part in student projects in our second year, and eventually arriving at the present day as we continue our studies in our third year. We discuss our reasons for starting the podcast, how it came about, and our plans for the future. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Okay, so beginning with the idea of your high school journey, what was that for you? So I think like my high school journey was like very fun. I had definitely like a good experience at high school. I don't know whether like you would say that you had like a, a fun experience or, or whatever, but I, I think for me when sort of going through the different different grades and different years, I really sort of like enjoyed learning and mm-hmm. enjoyed school. And I think the friendship group I had around me really helped me do that as well. Yeah, um, friendship groups were a big thing. I, it was one of the first things I thought about for my experience of high school, just because it's a really influential thing of yeah, basically everything that happens to you. At least when you're in those years, quite a bit revolves around your friend group and what's happening with them. And sort of mm-hmm. b- because you're in school for so long together, it, it influences you massively. Um, yeah, overall, okay. If we're going back to high school, the majority of my experiences there were like really, really fun and cool and new just because that was a time in my life where, like, for example, I'd never done GCSEs before. I'd never taken A-levels. Not that those were the fun things, to be honest. (laughs) But (laughs) random experiences like um, Duke of Edinburgh, for example. Those those are the kinds of things that stick with me where I'm like, that was the one, not one, but one of the unique things that I'd never done before that is so like core to my experience at the time wow yeah it was just a really fun thing to get to experience yeah did you do like bronze dv i did how far did you get i did all the way up to gold and i still haven't managed to do my activities for gold (laughs) so i technically don't have the gold dv like award i'm the other way around so you you did the walk yeah i did all the expeditions yeah damn so we weren't able to go on our expedition because of the weather right no no it was covid it was covid i mean the weather was bad as well but it was covid so I did all the like experience stuff, got it all signed off, yeah, and then like just couldn't do the walk. So that was really sad. Oh. But yeah, I think I, sh- I definitely share that as like that's something not necessarily completely different for me because I did scouts like scouting throughout my whole life. So I did sort of expeditions with them. Yeah, but I think with the group of friends that I made at school, doing that with them was like a really great experience. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and I think you touched on a great point of like how influential your friendship group is to you. Yeah, because I was I thankfully surrounded myself with people who also really enjoyed learning so that made learning more fun because everything became a competition (laughs) as a high school boy or i mean just a competitive person yeah like grades and tests became a competition for me my friendship group so we'd always like get our results back and then sort of like compare and then go home (laughs) feeling sad or you know like you've won some sort of battle or something right right um and i think that sort of led on to to gcse's because there was a lot of I think potentially it was it was definitely a friendly rivalry, but you know it was like you wanted to succeed. So mm-hmm. I think that mentality was like really good, and because we enjoyed school as well, and found 
<laughs> most of the subjects enjoyable. <laughs> right? Of course, there's, there's got to be a few. Yeah. Um, it just meant that GCSEs were a really fun summer mm-hmm. for me. Like, I don't know how many people can share that opinion. Like, See, I think we both come from much more of an academic background in that sense. Something I realized as I was thinking about the experiences I'd have to share was I have a decently unique experience in having gone to an all-boys grammar school. Right, yeah. Which was... I mean, I don't really know any different because I haven't done that. But that idea of sort of tying into the whole academic experience, I thought in a very similar way about my GCSEs. And I was thinking back and sort of going through my experiences at the time. I like tracked or I tried to make statistics for how I was doing in revision and exams like meticulously. Wow. And I remember that time in my life, academic achievement was like a a massive thing for me, not even as a... Mm. It, it didn't feel like a job almost. It was just like very similar to a video game in a way where you're right, trying to beat right. the game. So you gamified high school. In a way, yeah. At the time, I just thought of it like that. And tracking everything was a satisfying thing. And in a very similar way, my friendship group, um, I, I sort of, when I think back, I sort of positioned myself as, I, I had a main group of friends, but in some extent, I was a sort of, I guess the term is floater from what I've heard okay. people call okay, it. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. You, you move around different groups. Um, so I had my main group and then I would sort of mix in with the people who were really interested in physics sometimes. I had a few like individual relationships with the people and like one, one-to-one friendships, if that makes sense. Interesting. So quite a few of them, probably because we were all going to an all-boys grammar school or just a grammar school in general, quite a few of them were the sort of thing where it was like, we were both playing that game of yeah. trying to get great grades, basically. That's really interesting because I think I very much had like two close friends. Right. Like we had a slightly larger friendship group, like throughout the whole of, well, year seven to 11, mm-hmm. right? And it was myself, Chris, and Jack. And okay. we were like known for like being together, like especially me and Chris, like just not being able to be separated. Right. So all three of us came like from primary school like being in the same year six class and we all like wrote each other's names. Oh, wow. When going to, to high school to make sure we're in the same tutor. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then we stayed in the same tutor like a whole high school because <laughs> our, our sixth form was attached to our, like, was that the same for you? Same here, yeah. Yeah. So I just stayed at that sixth form as well with those two. Right. And me and Chris took exactly the same GCSEs <laughs> and then we took exactly the same A-levels. Wow. Right. So every class that I had, he was always there, sat next to me. Mm-hmm. right so it was very much like a joint experience and we'll talk about it in a future episode about how like because he was academically smarter than me and how that sort of affected me potentially right or interesting or motivated me yeah in a sense you know um oh i'm thinking back now and i had that person for me as well okay who would who would <laughs> in a sense yeah it's a it's a good thing for a future episode definitely it's a in a sense it was sort of like a um handling that feeling of being one-upped for me constantly yeah (laughs) i'm guessing you relate yeah yeah um and dealing with that idea of i mean academic achievement in general and Mm. i guess both of our mindsets have sort of shifted from that being the goal as we've gotten older i would say would you agree um yes yeah potentially could you expand on it um so the way i thought about it was um if you compared my mindset from when I was in GCSEs and A-levels, mm-hmm. trying to pass an exam to get the grade to get a degree in the future versus right. 
now being in the degree, I'm still focused somewhat on academic achievement, but I wouldn't say it's my one and only goal, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I like I would say coming into uni, my one goal was like get a first. Yeah. You know, graduate with a first. That's yeah. all that matters. Yeah. And then since and I think that's the mentality of a lot of people as a first year. It, 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 like get a two one. I get definitely this grade, say so, right? yeah. Um but I think as I've gained experience in extracurricular activities, I've realized and sort of done like placements or just tr- talk to people who have been on placement or have jobs now who have graduated. Mm-hmm. Um they I've come to the realization, sort of over over a slow long period of time, right. that like you are a much more you know you're you're a better candidate for a job if you have a well rounded sort of you know CV exactly you know if you have extracurricular activities if you develop yourself in leadership teamworking communication outside of your degree because in theory the the, the degree is only like a couple numbers on the page they'll just they'll just look at that. Tick box exercise, you yeah. know, for the person reading it. Okay, did they get a two, two, one or higher? Yes, tick. Okay, who is this person? Yeah. You know, and I think I've come to the, the realization that if I ended up with a two, one, there would be a part of me that would be disappointed. I think I think that's still fair to say, but it's not like the be all and end all mm. because of the extra stuff that we've done. Right. Do you, do you feel the same? Yeah. I would definitely agree. I was thinking while you were speaking about the transferability of that between multiple subjects and the one that mm. came to mind was like medicine and if that would be any different. But to some extent, the advice that you've given on that or the, your experience around that is mm. very applicable to multiple different subjects and departments. Yeah, yeah. To bring it back, because I don't think we've mentioned on this podcast about our degrees mm. and the subjects we're studying. Oh, yeah, probably should, <laughs> probably should inform the audience. Yeah, um, I'm thinking now, how far back should we go? So we were in high school before. Um, we can talk about university choices and what made us decide on aerospace engineering, which is what both of us study now. Yeah, yeah. Um, our choices to go into university to study that, our choices about Sheffield, which is where we're studying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess from there, it would be our first year. Yeah. Experiences there. So, okay, we'll go back to sort of the first question you asked. Um, why engineering? So I think throughout like the whole high school period, mm-hmm. I was very much like into the maths, you know, the the science side over English and I think GCSEs definitely like confirmed that right. when so I, I was according to my teacher pretty good at English you know all my mocks I did really well yeah and then in the final exam like this is still like good but I got a six and a seven mm-hmm. not like an eight and a nine or, or two eights or something like you know what I mean yeah so I was sort of led on by my teacher I would say <laughs> um, and I think the the subjectivity of it meant that it wasn't satisfying for me right where with maths, you know, if you get the right answer, that is the right answer, mm-hmm. right? And it's so done. Think, and it's done, yeah. There's no, like, subjectivity. If, if the person marking that sees that answer, you've got four marks. Yeah. And that was really satisfying for me. So that's definitely why I went down that route. Um, I also did, like, the three sort of typical engineering A-levels. Which were maths, physics, and I always forget the last one. I, chemistry. Chemistry, okay. Yeah. So I then did further maths for AS as well. Okay. Which is like, you know, just that little bonus. Um, I mainly did that because it was fun. But anyway. Right. Um, so yeah, that very much like led me down the engineering route, mm-hmm. I would say. I have a, actually a vastly different experience in that sense. Okay. And it's an interesting one because I never really academically positioned myself as an engineer. 
it was very much a choice that I wanted to do engineering and therefore I would do the subjects that would get me into engineering. Oh, so you knew from like, how, how young? No, I, I knew very late actually. So I decided around the time I was like 17 that I would want to be an aerospace engineer and work in that field. But it wasn't because, well, it wasn't solely because of an academic interest in my current subjects, if that makes sense. Okay. So to compare my experience, I was much better in English language and right. <laughs> Chinese specifically. Okay. I nice. ended up getting awards at GCSEs for those two. Wow. Which positioned me in the mindset of, I'm not really meant to be an engineer originally. Okay. So I went through my like A-levels thinking I didn't have the mindset of an engineer or I wasn't good at maths. Wow. Even though, I, I mean, I think to some extent, I was lucky enough to um, get good enough grades in the tests, but I yeah. never positioned myself as someone who's like a genius in maths or physics. I think I think maybe the English language is helping you a lot now with like personal branding. Stuff. I think it definitely is. Yeah, but that's that's really. Yeah, I would not have guessed that. <laughs> I would not have guessed that at all. Which uh, it, it kind of points to that idea of you don't always need to do things that you think you're. Well, you don't always need to move towards your strengths, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah. You can choose to move towards your choices and, and the kinds yeah. of things you want to do. And I had this whole ideology around wanting to make a massive positive impact in my career, which I yeah. thought from a decently young age. But the idea of engineering towards that, um, I was really like very much inspired by watching films like The Martian or Hell yeah. really, really like... Um, what's the word? Artistic, creative ideas around the topic rather than the core maths being like, I really love solving puzzles and working <laughs> out how things work kind of okay, thing. Okay, sure. Kind of like the dramatization yeah. of engineering. Yeah. And it was a big thing I went through as I was deciding on the course was, mm. do I like the idea of being an engineer or do I like the actual engineering? And you, what was your conclusion to that? Um, do you like the idea of being an engineer? I concluded that I like both. Okay. But my initial draw towards it was the idea. I think you've, I think you've potentially like beaten the school system here a bit because in terms of like what typically happens, because right. in my, my experience and my sort of views of the education system is that like you're very, you're almost like from my experience as well, forced to almost decide what you're going to do yeah. at a really young age. A you very know? young age, yeah. So like year nine, Halfway through year nine, we had to select our options for GCSE. Yeah. And what options you picked there, like whether you picked triple science or not, you know, would, would drastically affect what you could do at A-level. Yeah. To, to a point, yeah. you know. So you had to sort of think, okay, well, what do I want to do for A-level? Well, I know I like maths. I'm good at maths. So let's, let's make sure I do maths. You know, that was a core one, of course. But in my head, I'm still thinking about... Things around maths, like economics or business or that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I didn't necessarily go down like business route, but it was very much like triple science was like a big one for me. Right. Um, playing to that strength. But but it seems that you've sort of had a, a good broad sort of entry in. It was. And a, then still picked one that didn't necessarily, like if, if, so if a teacher like looked at you, they probably would have put you as like a journalist or, you know, a, an editor, chief editor of some yeah. newspaper, you know, not. An engineer. And I remember doing personality and career quizzes in sort of, I can't remember the subject name. Something around. Yeah. They, some... they, I think they always make different abbreviations within different schools <laughs> yeah. around this topic of like careers and personality and that kind of thing. Um, I took tests for it. And it, almost every time 
I, I was sort of interested on the side in it as well. And I mm. figured out that my personality leans more towards it. But I would always, almost always get like journalism, psychology, mm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Nothing to do with engineering. No. Um, and so even in my GCSE options, I, what's the word? I sort of like straddled between the maths and the sciences or mm -hmm. the, the arts and the sciences, sorry. Yeah. So I took history and computing. Okay. For my two options. And then at A-level, I took maths, physics, and English language. Wow. <laughs> and I always used to say, because it, it was a big like mindset thing for me, being like, I've taken a half of each of the maths and the hu mm. humanities or arts. And it, makes, it made me feel like a lesser part of both, if that makes sense. Right. Knowing that I, I still hadn't decided on one core field to go into, just because I really enjoyed both. Interesting. Yeah. Do you think there's some, I mean, this might be a, a subject to explore later, but like, do you think there's some sort of core, not necessarily indecisiveness, but like wanting to keep your options open? Yes. You felt like by having both like English and maths there, that you could still have a choice? It, in some sense, yeah, definitely. Um, I think going back, I really, so my English language teachers were amazing and mm. it, they made me love the subject. I've always had a passion for psychology and learning more about psychology. And that linked in with the kinds of topics we studied in English language as well. Mm. But when it came to deciding on a career and something to study at university, I was essentially deciding between both of those mm. subjects. And it, to that extent, between the arts and the human or arts and the sciences, even. I think psychology was one subject that, I wish that I could have taken a sort of like on the side. Yeah. Because like Same. absolutely fascinated me. Mm -hmm. You know, like why people do what they do. Exactly. And I think that's a massive part of like leadership and like team building, which I've claimed I'm an expert at, right? You know, <laughs> in this intro. Yeah. Um, so so I think that's something that potentially I will look into more in the future. Yeah. To sort of like discover it a bit more, like see, okay, why do why do people think this way? How do we not necessarily exploit but but sort of encourage certain aspects of people's like thoughts to yep. get the most out of them and to get the most out of a, a good team you know and how that changes for different teams and, and all, all that sort of thing so yeah i think if i could go back or potentially if i had more time you know <laughs> in, if there's more more hours in the day um i would have picked psychology too i've i've had that mindset for well since a level basically because psychology was never offered at my school in any sense so I literally bought a textbook from online for A-level psychology, knowing full well I would never get to do the, the exam for it at A-level, just wanting to study and learn more about it. Because it's the kind wow. of thing where Dedication. I thought, yeah, I, I, <laughs> funnily enough, I never ended up getting through that book. <laughs> no. <laughs> just because I didn't have the time with my other subjects. But it was the kind of thing where I thought, for, for the kinds of things you learn, for, for your brain, knowing that it's something that you use every waking moment of every day, mm -hmm. it felt like a travesty that we weren't learning enough about how to use it, given that it's yeah. constant through yeah. our lives. I, I fully agree. I think I think it's definitely something that changes throughout your life as well. It's yeah. like the way that you work best. And when coming into like first year uni, I very much had like a way that I revised, a way that I took notes. And that has changed so much throughout like, Three, three years, well, what is it, two and a half? Three and a half. Yeah. Oh my God, it's three and a half. <laughs> oh, gee. Um, <laughs> that's such a long time. Um, throughout the three and a half years, that's changed like so much. So I feel like I've adapted to like university for me right. more. Um, 
yeah, coming into like first year, it was very much, okay, I'm just going to treat this like A-levels almost. Like, you know, turn up, take notes, yep. go away, do the tutorial sheets if you have time. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know, was your, was your first year experience more more chill? I felt like I kind of, compared to second and third year, retrospectively, yeah. slacked off a lot more. Um, Yeah, in some to some extent. I th- I think it's hard to think back to that time and describe it in a way that is, um, I don't want to say helpful because I think the even the experience is helpful, but I think a big topic to cover is the idea that both of us uh, joined uni during lockdown. Yeah, big one. Which is a, a really influential year and a year that I don't think many students will get to experience again because almost all of the teaching for our first year was online. Yeah. And I guess because of that, my mindset towards it Um, would have slightly shifted to how it would have been if it was in person. I think the in-person experience, which is the normal student experience when they join uni for the first time, it is very overwhelming. Mm. Going to lectures, figuring out where things are, where buildings are, because you're moving away from your school, which you've known for between, you know, two to seven years, and traveling to this new place, setting up in a home you've never been to before. Yeah. Like learning how to cope with being an adult for the first time. And and you have a... For most people, you have a week. You have a week, yeah. You move in, and a week later, you do an exam. Not do an exam. <laughs> do exams. God, that'd be intense. God. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one subject somewhere does that. But yeah, <laughs> then you've got lectures yeah. after a week. Yeah. That, yeah, that's crazy. So I think for for me, I came from like a relatively small town of like 20,000 people. Is that is that considered small? For me, it was I relatively think, small. Yeah. And it was something called like the Belper bubble. You know, oh. people who went to Belper, stayed in Belper, and died in Belper, you know, that sort of thing. Like people right. came and didn't really leave. So quite like isolated in that sense, but also it meant that that environment was very much home. So everything that I did there, I swam there, I went to school there, I yeah. lived there, you know, and that was my, essentially my childhood because I moved there at one and a half. So I, I won't remember. Oh, wow. um, but, but yeah, coming to uni, as you said, setting up shop and going straight into lectures. I, I just, I think we had a nice easy run in where it was sort of like a bit more relaxed. You know, you got to spend a lot more time in halls. Yeah. Were you in halls? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of more time in halls, um, getting sort of used to living by yourself mm-hmm. and not having a lot of time commuting. Yeah. Or a lot of time sort of in labs because we didn't have them. So it's very much a more a more relaxed experience, yeah. I can imagine. I mean, we'll, we'll bring someone on and they can like tell us if we're right or wrong about about how it was. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think, I think for, for me, definitely. I think for regardless of lockdown or no lockdown, the general experience of going to uni is stressful in the beginning and adjusting and adapting to that new way of living is very, I mean, it, it's an experience and it gives you a lot to learn from regardless. Yeah. Um. So yeah, well, to be honest, the first time I went to a lab in first year was pretty much at the end of the year. I had two labs that were in person at the end of the year mm-hmm. and that's about, all the teaching I did in person for that year. So like like yeah. you, it was just living in halls, watching all my lectures online and in Blackboard and using oh, yeah. Collaborate and oh, breakout yeah. rooms oh, yeah. <laughs> to work in groups, which almost never happened because everyone would... <laughs> on mute, cameras off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably still in bed, asleep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I used to watch lectures in bed, to be fair. Oh, we'll, we'll talk about that another time, about <laughs> separating your work and your oh, sort yeah. of social. But I think... I, I was really happy that those labs went ahead in first year yeah. because I then met like two of my close friends 
that I will sort of go into uni with most, yeah. most days. So like Tom and Matisse right. were there and then George as well. So like the four of us, I, I was very glad that that happened because otherwise I I didn't feel like I had any course friends in mm. year one. Yeah. Did you, did you feel like you, you did? Because you were an academic rep the first year. Yeah. Right? So this is another interesting topic for another episode. But um, I was lucky enough to have found a WhatsApp group chat, which turned into a Discord, which turned into like a friendship group that did movie nights. And nice. even it it was really like like the best possible experience I could have gotten in a year where lockdown was happening, where I found a friendship group online, met them in person basically before we even started uni. And so I was sort of, <laughs> this sounds very weird to say because it, it reflects my mindset at the time. I was set in a social context. Mm-hmm. Like I, I had a, a support group around me and that felt very comforting in that sense. Yeah, I think that's good. Um, okay, let's move on slightly. I feel like hopefully we've explored you know, our, our education a little bit there. Yeah. But but what sort of, what, what have you done at uni now? So, you know, student projects, like what, what have you got involved in? Yeah. Um, okay. I think the, so I, I was involved in student projects from my very first year, maybe not in a very technical or complex sense, but I tried to join as much as I could at the time, which I think is for, for the more like academically minded, like, what's the word i i guess sort of overachieving students (laughs) it's a it's a big focus to be like oh i want to try and get as much experience as possible for my cv or whatever it is um so i joined project philaticus which was a drone team back in first year Mm -hmm. um i was only on the marketing team for that i'm pretty sure i did a little bit of like aerodynamics research stuff and then going into my second year I basically went full throttle on it and tried to join as many projects as possible, <laughs> which led to me getting burnt out at the end. Yeah. But it did give me a lot of experience in that sense. So here at Sheffield, we have a rocketry team. We have a drone team, which I joined with you mm-hmm. in second year, yep. Project Kestrel. Um, and all of those gave me really good teamworking and even even technical skill building experience in very different ways, I'd say. So mm-hmm. I did try and pack a lot of my time with that kind of stuff. And also Seller. And also Seller, yeah. yeah. That's a whole other ball yeah. game. Seller's <laughs> a Sheffield Engineering Leadership Academy. Yeah. So if you're an engineer and listen to this, it, and in your first year, listen out to it, <laughs> because it is is fairly good. We talk about it all the time, but yeah. But yeah um, that, that getting onto Seller, or now Seltzer, mm-hmm. um, helped me get, the role that I got in Kestrel in yeah. second year because I didn't join anything in first year. I was kind of unaware that those projects existed. So I kind of just did my degree right. and just didn't do a lot else. Um, I don't necessarily feel like I wasted that year because of what I've done since. But I think if I could have done more, maybe like exposure to those projects would have been cool. Yeah. And I'd have got involved in them from like a younger age, <laughs> younger age, <laughs> a year sooner. But, yeah. Um, yeah, joining Kestrel with Mo was very fun. <laughs> and it was it was sort of straight in and straight in at the deep end because I came into the role and during my interview, I, on, on the initial application for Kestrel, I said, no, I don't want to be considered for like a team lead position. Mm-hmm. And then in my interview, I was like, well, why not? You know, just just say yes. I think I did the same thing, actually. And, and like, what's the worst that can happen? They say no and you'll just hopefully get a team member position. Like, like sure. Yeah. So then then asked me about that. And that's when I brought up Seller. And the person interviewing Franick, the old project leader, um, was also on seller. So I think that potentially helped. Right. And it ended up with me going straight into that role. Um, 
And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I'd say. It really points to that idea of transferability. Well, not only transferability between skills that you develop on different projects, regardless of your course, but yeah. the idea that you can use one experience to sort of <laughs> one-up yourself in a way. Yeah. And share that as a way to um, sort of like stepping stone towards other better projects. Yeah. Or even. Yeah. It's definitely a staircase, isn't it? Because, yeah. Because, you know, you take one step, then you go up to a, a maybe a sort of minor leadership position and a more major leadership position. Yeah. Yeah. Leaders, leadership position. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, and then sort of, and then the next thing you know, you're in charge of a project with 49 people. Yep. And here we are. And here we are. <laughs> so to give context, um, now both of us, me and Will, are leaders in Project Kestrel. Will is the project lead and mm -hmm. currently I'm avionics lead, um, set to be project lead next year. Yes. Yes. It'll yeah. be a, a big handover period where I, I say goodbye. But I'm not really going because I'm too emotionally and <laughs> invested in, in time yeah. to the project. So I'm going to become a project advisor essentially for that role yeah. and, and help out that way. Um, but I think definitely working with Mo for so long, it's been a while, yeah, right? Yeah, it and, has. Um, that's definitely meant that we've managed to form like a really good way of working together, I'd say. For sure. And, and hence when Mo brought up about him wanting to start a podcast, I was like, I immediately started writing down ideas and, and, <laughs> and like manifesting us doing it together. And I was just like, I just messaged, right? And I was just like, can we do this together, essentially? Yeah. You know, it was a long paragraph, but can we, can we do this together? Yeah. And you were very receptive. Yeah, for sure. So I'd had podcast ideas in my head for a long time. And before, before we'd messaged each other, it was sort of in my head as another way for me to um, develop my personal branding. Whole other podcast. Topic. Whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but essentially a way for me to try and provide value, share student experiences, that sort of thing. Essentially what we're doing right now. Yeah. And when you approach me with the idea that we could work together on it, I I definitely consider it for a long time. And I thought of where it could go towards sort of in the long term as well. Mm -hmm. Because I definitely invested in it thinking this will be a long term thing. Yeah. And I think you'd agree. Absolutely. Um, and I was all for it just because of yeah. the idea of like, We've developed this really great way of, of managing to bounce ideas off each other. Yeah. And I think it improves everything that we do. Yeah. And I think so, it was, sorry, I think it was like over summer when we were working on like how to revamp Kestrel, all the stuff about that. We spent an ungodly amount of time on calls. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like till stupid late. It was like we'd, we'd get on a call at eight and then be there at 12 Yeah, in, in the night. Right. Of course. Yeah. And like four hour calls, like just chucking ideas and playing devil's advocate to each other. Mm -hmm. And definitely that bouncing off each other, as you said, is, is is working and has worked really well for both of us. I'd yeah. Say. And I think one more thing that was really like nice to hear in your sort of when you said yes. Yeah. Was about how you want to work with long term people for like long term things. Yeah. So this is a quote from Naval Ravikant, who is like this massive businessman, angel investor, um, he, he's called like a thought leader on Twitter, I think, mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, and he's written books and things like that. But um, he has this quote that goes, you should play long-term games with long-term people. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. And that was what I thought of when you raised the idea to me. Mm. And it, it, it was this thing of, this genuinely feels like a long-term investment. Yeah. And I'm, I was all for it. Um, so I set about with you around this idea of sharing student tips, student advice, 
our experiences at Sheffield and at university in general with the idea that we could benefit students basically yeah I think it's it's very much about that like trying to trying to be trying to give more than you receive as well yeah and I think it's one thing that potentially only happens through student projects or friendship groups where you get feedback or advice from older years on your course or about general university life. So hopefully this podcast can help people, you know, make or not necessarily make the mistakes, but learn from our mistakes yeah, a lot quicker for sure. and then get even more out of uni because we've both made a lot of mistakes. I'm <laughs> confident to say. I think um, it's it's just part of the process, really. And something that came to mind was... I so as I went through uni I had this interesting I I guess I'd call it like a metaphor of what I was doing in my head in a very general sense so I started a blog during lockdown Mm -hmm. and the reason I did it primarily was to try and like develop a voice around things because I recognized as a high school student as a teenager I was a very quiet kid like I, I really didn't have (laughs) <laughs> many social skills in that sense yeah, yeah. and um even at an all-boys school knowing that it wasn't uh, mixed gender I sort of felt like I would struggle in that environment when I came to uni so a big thing in my head was I need to learn to develop a voice learn how to communicate in that way and it was very scary so I started online I started writing with that but as I developed that habit as I went through it, as I eventually got to the point of now where I'm like trying to film videos and things like that and recording a podcast with you, those sorts of habits and practices got me to the point where I am now. And I I think it it would have been a very similar process for you. Yeah. I mean, I was a fairly arrogant child, I would (laughs) say. Um, So I think I've I've always found... I I was... I was definitely nervous coming to uni to make friends. Yeah. Like the thought of it is scary for right. me. But then when you actually meet the people, I felt like I'm, I was fairly good at sort of like introducing myself or, yeah. or saying hi in small yeah. talk. But, but I, think, I think the reason why I potentially want to do the podcasting is, is less so about finding my own voice and more about like, shit, this, this sounds really, I don't know, but sharing it as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So I think potentially through like Kestrel sharing like advice on like technical stuff and sort of like training our sub team leads with leadership experience. That was like really rewarding in the sense of I can then see them implement it. Right. So I think I want to sort of gain that, that skill of being able to sort of like storytell and like pass on knowledge in a way that's like consumable. Absolutely. Because I, I, I currently wouldn't say I'm a good storyteller. Right. So Neither. if you this experience would, I would say you are Mo, but anyway. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So the, the metaphor I was talking about before that I completely forgot to mention was the idea, well, the idea that I had in my head. It was basically that during my earlier years, I used to think of myself as being in this, uh, and I got this through hindsight, I guess. I used to think of myself through this idea of like a, uh, a caterpillar in a cocoon. In that I was trying to absorb and learn as much as possible and not really giving anything out. And I was, in that sense, very introverted, very introspective and and not very like outwards focused. I got to uni and joined projects and started talking to people. And eventually I got to the point where I moved out of that sort of cocoon phase into this is going to sound kind of cringy, the butterfly stage. I saw that coming. (laughs) Where, like the blog, 
I, I like with the blog, I learned to develop my voice in that sense mm. and got to the point where I knew I had something to share, but using my voice and learning how to use it to share that was the end goal for me. Yeah. I, think, I think it's very intertwined in a sense. Yeah. I, I kind of almost went on the other journey. Right. Because I felt like I was very extroverted coming to uni. Mm -hmm. I definitely, hopefully, got out of my arrogant phase before coming to uni, but, <laughs> you know, it lingered around for a bit, maybe. Um, but I think potentially for me, it's I'm now understanding how to have that inwards focus. Right. So through like personal branding, again, we'll talk about it a lot more another time, but sure. I think that helps me focus like understanding my skills and how to sort of share that. But then also I started journaling and as much as I thought doing a blog or newsletter would be cool, I, th I don't have the time for it, but every day for like 20 minutes, I'll like journal. I've done it for like maybe 11 days now, so <laughs> we'll yeah. see how it goes. But, nice. but sort of dumping all the ideas on a page helps me understand like my own head a lot more. Yeah. And I think with the podcast as well, it's gonna help me be able to like express my thoughts better in more like cohesive ways and trying to like keep my train of thought, which is something that often, you know, completely derails me, like <laughs> massive tangents, here. right? Um, Even thinking about the way I've been explaining these concepts, I've had to go back and forth and like my, my head's been jumping around everywhere trying to explain this. So yeah. I think even through the act of podcasting, I think we're both going to get really, well, we're both going to get a lot of experience out of it. Sure. Definitely, yeah. definitely. So I guess, I guess in that case, it kind of wraps up this episode yeah. potentially yeah yeah because so so hopefully if you've enjoyed listening to this hanging out with us i suppose that's how we can, <laughs> can say that right yeah um we'll do a, a new podcast every week yeah um that's the plan and eventually we'll start inviting guests on as well so if you have any ideas of people who you would like to hear on mm -hmm. we'd be more than receptive um you can email us I suppose <laughs> is that the best way or, or maybe LinkedIn or something mm. just like search our names yeah um, they'll probably be in the description or bio somewhere show somewhere notes this is yeah. posted um, show notes thank you <laughs> I'll get the technical terms <laughs> but. Um, but yeah I guess that's it so thank you for listening thank you for listening and we'll see you next time <laughs>